up, NBA fans? It's uh, day one of the NBA playoffs is in the books. Uh, the Second Stringers NBA podcast here. We're a bit late, but still, we're going to dive right in and for our uh, NBA playoff preview. Uh, so far, what a heck of a day from morning until late night or early night here on the West Coast. We got NBA all day. Put it off to the side while I'm working and take a listen to games all day. I don't think I can complain much about that. How about you, Sean? Oh, no, I'm, I'm right in the same boat as you, Alan. I was listening to the games from 10.30 on pretty much nonstop. When I got home, I watched the second half of that of that Sixers-Celtics game and right up into that Clippers game. And it, it, was, it was a beautiful Monday, I got to say. <laughs> I haven't had a, as good of a Monday as today in a very long time. So very happy with how uh, things went. Yeah, I agree with you, especially in the month of August when at this point, you know, you're used to the real big slowdown of sports when NBA free agency is done. MLB is kind of like in the middle, towards the middle of their season and NFL is not quite up to, hasn't started yet. So this August is a little bit different right now with the NBA playoffs. And now I'm just extremely happy that this ended up happening because it's 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 a it's a it's a heck of a fest to be able to tune into, and I'm so excited for this to keep going. Uh, but I mean, now that the bubbles come come to a close, any highlights I guess, Sean, that come out to you before we dive into the playoffs? I mean, nothing that we've already talked about before. I mean, we can talk, we can rave more about Damian Lillard with the Cinderella story, bringing the Blazers into the playoffs in only a matter of eight games. We can talk about the Phoenix Suns winning eight games. I don't know what else there's to talk about. We could, we could talk about how much of a failure the Pelicans are still. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's really worth mentioning. Um, there wasn't a ton of news that came out from now since uh, last week, late last week, except for, like, looks like Mike Conley's out for Utah. Uh, they named Damian Lillard the bubble MVP. Yeah. Uh, Alvin Gentry's out. In New Orleans, which we we thought was going to happen, uh, you know, just just some casual stuff. But no, I think I think these playoffs are really shaping up to be really good. If we're if we're judging just based off today, though, like these performances aren't going to be any worse than if fans were there. I think I think they might even be better in some cases uh, from what we've seen so far. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, what kind of what the lack of fans and the effect that they might have or the stadium atmosphere or traveling might have on some of the outcomes here. I got to be honest, when I woke up this morning and I looked at the NBA schedule, I was expecting um, not not a bunch of blowouts, but not the intensity that I did end up seeing uh, today. And I think let's start, let's start right off here with this one, Clippers versus Dallas. Uh, I thought there was a chance for it to be close, but my gut feeling for some reason thought that the Clippers were really going to walk away winning this one pretty handedly, but <laughs> Dallas put up quite the fight here in the first three quarters. And then Porzingis getting that very controversial ejection um, midway into the third quarter, but Dallas hung in there, but the Clippers did ultimately take this win. But I mean, Duka Doncic here in this first playoff series, just really carrying this Dallas team and gutting it through. You got, we got Bobin for a, almost a full quarter length of time. <laughs> this so the only positive of Porzingis getting ejected yeah exactly but what do you see with this series Sean I mean you're the big clipper guy are you worried here about this for this gritty Dallas Mavericks team I mean in a way yes I I think for for my Clippers team this is pretty terrifying 
I think, if you're going to come into game one. Because, like we said, we, we thought the Clippers were just going to have a pretty easy time with Dallas because very few players on their team have any playoff experience. Their best players don't. Like Doncic's first playoff game, Porzingis' first playoff game. So you're looking at this team, it's like, maybe they're great, but they're not ready yet. Like, they have great pieces that aren't ready yet. It showed in the first quarter when we got off to an 18-2 start. <laughs> and then something happened where it just completely fell apart for the Clippers. And at one point, we were down, like, 14 in the second <laughs> quarter. By the early second quarter, they had already made up that 16-point deficit, and they are actually just destroying us. I was like, oh, no. Like, have we totally underestimated them? Are the Clippers just, like, way too dysfunctional with Montrez Harrell coming back into the bubble, like, literally a few days ago? Patrick Beverly coming off his calf strain. Lou Williams just still hot off the strip club. Like, <laughs> maybe these pieces just aren't going to all come together in time to win this game. I mean, I did. I was never really worried that we are going to win the series, just even if we did lose this game. But... We found a way to win it, obviously, with the very controversial ejection of Porzingis. I am not a fan of that one either, personally. Even as a Clippers fan watching that, it's just like, man, like, there's no playoff atmosphere. Like, this just feels, yeah. this almost just felt to me like another bubble game. And yeah. that's, that is to say, to the bubble game's credit, that they've all felt really intense. Obviously, like, looking at, like, the Nets Blazers, like, the last bubble game of the season. Or just really any of Phoenix Suns games have felt like playoff games. Uh, this kind of had the same feel. It didn't have that elevated playoff atmosphere for me. And I think yeah. the fans definitely do play a big part of that. And that's something we're really going to miss. And I think that's something that's going to play into a lack of a home court advantage. Which is why I don't think any of these, except for maybe the Bucks Magic, is going to be a sweep. Even though if it were... One where it'd be if home court advantage was a thing, I wouldn't think any of these lower seed teams would have a chance in these first two games. But now that I've seen this go down the way it is, like if this was in Staples Center, I do not see Dallas coming back the way that they did against the Clippers, yeah. against a team of this caliber. But because there's no distractions and they can just focus in and they don't have to worry about all of this noise around them, like drowning out their thoughts and messing with their plays, I think it really help them honestly to come into back into this game just focusing on basketball and playing the game right and and they responded well and I, honestly i think this is going to be a six game series with the clippers winning it in six um, they really don't have an answer for Kawhi or paul george is what we saw from this first game at least and that's kind of something that i saw uh just looking at it, i guess before this whole series even started so even though Doncic is amazing Porzingis is really tall, and we don't really have anyone that can reach up to him. Uh, I think Kawhi and Paul George just just are a little too much. Yeah, I agree. I think the Clippers just have too much. I think the same things that everybody's been praising or seeing as positives for the Clipper team is basically their advantages in this series. Their depth, Paul George, Kawhi, their ta their two man tandem. The Dallas Mavericks just have nobody that can even come close to guarding those guys. Uh, they could go zone to try to stop the drives from these guys, but the, but the Clippers are just a great three point shooting team as well. I mean, they can throw the ball down to Porzingis, and Porzingis can do some damage there. But uh, the pick and roll game with Lou Williams and that second unit when it comes in, it's just it's it's a great unit. 
But I mean, all that's to say is to not completely discredit the Dallas Mavericks team that is a high-powered offense. So I think they will have runs and make comebacks, especially against a second unit, the second unit that Clippers have. So yeah, I mean, I think at times like the game will swing. I think in some extremes, possibly like what we saw today where the Clippers get off to a hot start and then Dallas just climbs their way back. So ultimately, (laughs) yeah, I think ultimately this, the Clippers depth will show up and Dallas just needs to get more guys on that roster that can really give Lucas some help. I mean, Seth Curry seems to times be the third best player (laughs) on this team. And, and he's a one dimensional guy, which is fine. He's a great shooter, but come playoff time, like they're going to, they're going to hold that guy tight so especially a good Clippers team so I think Clippers in five uh Porzingis might have some great games uh just beating up down low but I think ultimately that Clipper team will figure it out and put some team good team defense around uh Porzingis and uh, not kind of just hinder his those big performances and Doncic's going to be Doncic and he's going to have those 40 point games 35 point games triple doubles but it's just not going to be enough, and they don't have weapons to stop the Clippers. It's going to be high scoring, and the Clippers are going to take this in five. Yeah, you know who was the surprise player of the game for the Clippers was Marcus Morris. Yeah, Marcus like, Morris was good. 19 points for him on, on efficient shooting. I think he was like 8 of 13, and he was really the difference in that game. Like Lou Williams wasn't scoring that much. Montrez barely played, really, for for his own sake because he just came back and they didn't really have another guy that was that you could rely on for very efficient scoring and he he really stepped up I mean we brought him in to do just this but I haven't really seen him like come out of his shell like he did for this game he's really he really stepped up his game gave us the ejection on Porzingis (laughs) uh really really took one for the team there so yeah I mean I give him the MVP for (laughs) at least even doing that yeah and I mean that's that's the power that's that's the strength of the Clippers right there is like when you got Paul George, Lou Williams, and Kawhi Leonard, you got to stack up the paint and stop these guys, and that always just leaves somebody open. And tonight it was Markeith Morris, and he knocked it down. And other nights it'll be Pat Beverly, uh, and then at at some point I'm sure Montrez Harrell's going to get his opportunity. But there you go. That's that's just a huge plus uh, for this Clipper team and. That's ultimately, I think, what's going to win this series and keep them climbing through the playoff rounds. Yeah, they've got to win, man. It's got to be Lakers Clippers. If we yeah. get if we get beat by Dallas, like that's going to be the saddest narrative of the season ever. I will be so sad. It won't happen. <laughs> it there's just no way. There's just not enough firepower on this Dallas team that can stop everything that the Clippers yeah. have half firing like there's just way too much but all all it is is exciting to see Luka Doncic perform the way he has so it makes me excited Mm -hmm. and I really hope Dallas can put some more able bodies and just some bigger names around this team uh and and maybe Porzingis does wake up a little bit too and goes back to his all-star form that he he was playing with he was playing with in in the Knicks yeah I mean he was playing good in this game before the ejection obviously like I think he had 14.6 rebounds in 20 minutes uh, you, you put that over another 15 minutes, and I, he'd definitely have over 20. Um, so, you know, who knows, man? It could have gone either way, but, you know, what happened happened. <laughs> Take yeah, the victory. Yeah, it did. I'm going, yeah, and still, it's Clipper, Clippers, no doubt. Um, this next one, though, should be more interesting. OKC versus the Rockets. 
And this is the series that I look at and I'm like, um, not having fans in the building really loses the value here of this mm-hmm. this series. Like just having the OKC fans just roaring against the Rockets and then the Rockets fans also roaring against Chris Paul and <laughs> Chris Paul just being a bulldog and just getting that that stadium fired up mm-hmm. is 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 ultimately what is just is going to fail is going to be the factor that makes this series uh, fail to live up to its hype, but still, like, it's going to be a great one nonetheless, even without those narratives. Uh, and, I mean, 538 has the, an 83% chance for the Rockets winning this. I don't know. I feel like it's a lot closer than that. Yeah, I agree with you, Alan. I don't know how old this projection is. Like, I really hope that it's not super recent, honestly, because. That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. If, are they factoring in the fact that Westbrook isn't even playing to, to start the series? He's out with with a quad strain uh, for game one. And the OKC actually won the regular season two to one. So I, I don't really know where this, this projection is coming from. I guess it's just coming from the fact that they believe way more in Harden than anyone else. Which mm-hmm. is, yeah, sure, that's a fair argument. Harden, in and of itself, is, is enough of an argument to say OKC is going to get beaten by the Rockets. But I don't know, man. I just don't see it. Like, the Thunder have just been outperforming this entire season. And Shea Gill just made a huge jump. Chris Paul looked right back into the form that he was in two years ago. And they got a lot of good pieces around them, like Dennis Schroeder, Gallinari, uh, Steven Adams, of course, the big Aussie. Yeah. Like, there, there's a lot of guys that are very good NBA players on this team, and the Rockets are not that deep. So if you lose Westbrook, who are you replacing him with? You got Austin Rivers, who had that one 41-point game and will probably never score more than 20 for the rest of his life now because he used it all up in one game. Mm-hmm. You got Eric Gordon, who's like 55 years old at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Not that old, <laughs> but I don't know. He's like 33, 34. And then Ben McLemore, who no one's going to get excited about. So I don't really know what you do if you're the Rockets, you know? It's like, who's going to step up and be that extra points and assist producer that Westbrook is? I don't, like, the combination of these three guys just doesn't seem like enough to me. Yeah, well, OKC's got a hell of a counter, though, with... uh uh, Chris Paul, uh, Dennis Schroeder, and Shell Gilgis Alexander. I mean, if the if the Rockets want to run, OKC can run right with them, and they got Stephen yeah. Adams too down low to you know cause some trouble down there if any of these guys <laughs> want to get into the lane. But I think this is exciting, and I'd love to see what OKC can counter with with when I mean what the Rockets can counter with when OKC runs that three guard lineup. Yeah, so that's the thing with with uh, you mentioned Stephen Adams. What do you think his role is going to be like in this series where there's no like true center or even like a big man for him to guard and vice versa on the other side? Like, are they going to be able to use him very much, you think? Yeah, so that's, that's another interesting thing here about this Rockets experiment <laughs> is do you come in and you try to bully the other team into essentially making their big men unplayable or are you on the other team you know, trying to assert your your dominance by by continuing to play your big men, and I think at this point, if I'm OKC, I got to play to my strength, and Stephen Adams has been a big part of that. 
So I think I'm still rolling with him as long as I can. And if you're the Rockets, you're going to try to force OKC to make this man sit on the bench for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I Yeah, I I have to be inclined to agree with you, though. I, I just don't see Stephen Adams getting phased out of the game. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like he's that slow. Obviously, he's not like a three-point shooter. He's not a stretch five, like, type of Brooke Lopez type of center. But he's just going to get so many rebounds and he's not going to get tired. Like he just has a lot of energy and he's going to be able to keep up with, with these small rockets for at least a good amount of the game. I think in my opinion, from what I've seen from him and OKC has proven it by winning two of the three regular season games. So I don't know, man, I, I'm going OKC in six in this one. Honestly, I think this is an early exit for this rockets team. I'm not believing in this experiment especially with Westbrook out like just that's the thing with the experiment is that they have an eight-man rotation if one of their best players out I don't think it works yeah I think most of the consensus consensus seems to lean towards the Rockets and I'm going to be with you on this one Sean I'm going against the grain I'm going (laughs) OKC two in six I I mean I everything to me feels like OKC is is a slightly better team uh, they got the young pieces. They got they got Gallinari, who's pretty solid. They got Chris mm-hmm. Paul, who's still playing just as good as ever. Westbrook has that injury, and that to me really scares me about the Rockets. Like this team just seems like it has no decision making. If Harden is on the bench and they have nobody else out there uh, who would take Russell West Russell Westbrook's place in that when when their minutes were staggered. I mean, Austin Rivers is a nice piece, but. He's not the answer, not in a playoff series. He's I mean, you think this he's OKC a nice team piece. is too good. <laughs> I mean, he's put together so I got I'll give him some respect, but he's so inconsistent. Yeah. Dennis Schroeder's back. Dennis Schroeder looks good. Everybody on this OKC team looks good, so I'm going OKC in six as well. Isn't that crazy that OKC would make it farther the year after getting rid of Westbrook and Paul George? Yeah. Isn't I that mean, crazy? There were some good pieces. There you go. That's a good trade that occurred, and and there were some good pieces that are exchanged there. Which I mean, Shea Gilgis is probably <laughs> that gem, and just the fact that Chris mm-hmm. Paul is playing the way that he is, like nobody saw. Yeah, I that think, was the big thing: Chris Paul mm-hmm. being healthy and playing so well. Yeah, exactly. Like I think you could have made a good guess that Gallinari would have played the way he's been playing, and Shea Gilgis, you knew he was good, but Chris Paul's health is just held up and I guess that's the irony here as well is the trade for Chris Paul was you know he he had durability questions especially when playoff came around and now it's uh it's uh the Rockets newly minted point guard that's having durability (laughs) issues here in Russell Westbrook so ironic man what a weird (laughs) turn of events I love it I'm just yeah going back to that fan thing man I'm just I'm picturing how awesome it'd be to watch one of these games just see the pregame warmups and see them introduce the rosters and hear this, the jeering and the booing of the fans, man, for Westbrook or for Chris Paul. If it's a, if it's a Rockets game, Oh man, it would have been so epic. Yeah. I I would have loved it. I just think like I could totally have seen the, the rocket fan base just booing the heck out of Chris Paul and Chris Paul just doing something ridiculous, <laughs> like flopping on a James Harden drive. Oh and man, the place it just adds feels so like much more erupt. to the game. Yeah. Oh man, it's crazy. In yeah. the bubble, in the bubble regular season, 
I feel like I don't I didn't really miss the fans being there, but I feel like now that it's playoffs, I really miss the fans not like being a part of it. Oh yeah, especially like some of these arenas that are just notorious like OKC. Uh I mean Staples mm-hmm. Center seems to oh, always yeah. be a always have the crowd, <laughs> so that's something. But I mean, here's another team I think that really misses home court advantage because it actually has one of those like okay, mm-hmm. there's a true home court advantage here. That's Mile Denver. High, baby. <laughs> yeah. Denver really just not having that advantage here in the playoffs, which I'm not sure how big of an impact it has within playoff basketball, but during regular season, we've seen it, especially Lakers just cannot win in Denver for some reason. But here, (laughs) Utah versus Denver, 83% chance leaning towards Nuggets. Uh, I mean, I tend to agree the Nuggets are good, and today kind of showed that. You had Mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell just going absolutely supernova, second Jazz player to ever go 50-plus in a playoff game, third most in a single playoff game ever, you know, just third to Michael Jordan and Elgin Baylor, two NBA legends. Unreal. And, you know, go, going into this series, I think, and even just like this whole year, it was a lot of, there was a lot of questions on who Donovan Mitchell, you know, really was. Like, what is his ceiling? Like, it seemed like a lot of players in his class had caught up and possibly even passed him mm-hmm. in terms of like, how good he is you you know there's a strong argument that jason tatum has passed on him and mitchell yeah i mean even even me for a second there i was like man i wonder if michael porter jr can outplay donovan mitchell in this game oh no (laughs) and i mean that quickly obviously (laughs) yeah that um, that went to bed pretty quickly because uh, I mean, Jamal Murray's one of those guys, too, who's also like mm-hmm. a peer of Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan Mitchell came out here and outplayed everybody tonight. Like, I mean, everybody. Uh, he, he walked away as like the probably the best performance uh, of today with 57 points and just Ooh. carrying this Utah team almost to a win to the Nuggets. And I would, you know, at least getting them to overtime and almost coming away with the win. And it kind of sucks a little bit because he went all out and it just wasn't enough against this really deep Nuggets team. And it, it's a tough one. I mean, you're missing Bojan. You're missing Mike Conley. Uh, Royce O'Neal threw some duds out there. <laughs> uh, Rudy Gobert was okay. Joe Ingles was okay. But, I mean, when you look at the numbers, it's there's so much of a glaring gap to make up here. 34 points just within Bojan and Conley. And then you add a couple more tens of points when some of these guys have an off night. So there's just not enough offensive power from this Utah team. And if they're not holding back their opponent, like the Denver Nuggets, to under at least, I think, 100 or 105 points, and <laughs> Which is like I think impossible. it's a loss. <laughs> yeah, it's a loss. Like, there's just no way. Yeah. The math just doesn't, doesn't really add up for this Utah team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even with an historic night like that, it's just it's unbelievable. Which is funny too when you mentioned the, the the third most points in a single playoff game because Elgin Baylor or no, was it Michael Jordan's game where he got sixty three where he also lost that game too? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all these great playoff, the two of these three ended in a loss, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it's Mitchell is an unbelievable talent on the offensive side of it. Defensively, yeah. obviously. He had nothing for Jamal Murray, who we need nope. to give so much credit for here. What did he? I think he put up like 36, 38 points in this game, something around mm-hmm. that. Like he was responding to every single basket Donovan Mitchell made towards the end of that fourth quarter. It was just back and forth. That, that was amazing playoff basketball. 
And man, if you, if you have to point to a moment that really turned the tide for the Jazz because they 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 were in control. Uh, it had a yeah. couple point lead at the end of this game. You got to point to that eight second violation, half court violation. Ooh, that the, was missed. Have, yeah, that was. Yep. You have to point to that. That that was the turning point where like if that possession goes differently, Utah could come out with this win. But Nuggets were able to force OT, and then from there it was just game over. Like they just ran away with it at that point. Yeah, I mean that play just. I mean, it's always plays like that that just kind of suck the air out of a team because it's like yep. then you kind of just linger on it. But, yeah, that <laughs> was a total backcourt violation. Commentators called it out, too. I think all of us watching were just like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. And Jamal mm-hmm. Murray just pops up and takes that three, too. He doesn't even yeah. – his he doesn't let his mind linger on like, oh, shit, they just, they just let me do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Like, yeah, yeah. Like they're not gonna call it. Then yeah, don't don't make yourself the guilty party. But yeah, that that half court violation, man. That that missed call. That that changed the game. Yeah, exactly. And Which I mean, like, on you that hate you hate to put it on the refs, but yeah, yeah. That was that was the lack of a call that that had an impact. Like you, can, I mean, it's an example of like the both ways it can go, like a bad call or lack of a call that can mm-hmm. also swing it. I mean, also. Though, like, this Nuggets team, it, it, they're tough, man. Like, And the Utah yeah. Jazz had no answer for them on the defensive end. Again, we talked about the offense side. Dominic Mitchell going super no. If he can keep this going, then maybe we got close games. But Utah having to hang their heads on defense was just not there. Uh, Joe Kick just had a field day with Rudy Gobert taking him, mm-hmm. basically, you know, forcing him to guard him outside and keep Rudy Gobert just couldn't really do it. I mean, as a team, Nuggets shot 50% from the field and also 53% from the three-point line. That second unit of Jaron Grant, uh, uh, Marcus Morris, uh, Mason Plumlee, they just like they just had a field day with uh, with the Utah Jazz as well. I mean, Jordan Clarkson was good, but Utah's got to start trying to clamp down or this Denver team is just going to walk away with this with this series win. I mean, if they want any chance of upsetting. So yeah. to me, ultimately, it's there's just not enough firepower on this Utah team. Joe Ingles is showing age. Uh, Jordan Clarkson's <laughs> a good option, but not the greatest. Only on and offense, mo- though. Yeah, exactly. And if Mike Conley can maybe come back in game three and in- interject some life, which I think he probably could. I can ha- I can see Utah winning game three and game four. I still see Denver walking away with this in six games. Mm. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, we don't know how many games Conley's going to miss because obviously he just missed this one. But then how long is he going to have to quarantine when he gets back? Is it a 72-hour period? or Yeah, so at minimum, he's definitely going to miss the next game as well. So okay. at best, he's back by game three. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, just the way that game went, is like everything that needed to happen for Utah did. And Mitchell's not going to score 57 points again this series. I'm sorry. It's yeah. just not going to happen. Like, he's an amazing player. But he's not going to put up that many points every game, and that's what kept you in it. So I'm going to have to go Nuggets in five because I don't think this that this Jazz team can get more than one game on them. If they can't mm-hmm. even get this game where he scored 57, like they'll get one. They'll get one where they're able to hold the Nuggets, but that's it. 
Like, honestly, because they're going to get Barton and Gary Harris back at some point in this playoffs, too. And it might happen this round. I'm not really sure, though. It's sketchy because they're just they're, they, they're both day to day, but they've been day to day since the start of the bubble. So this team's only going to get better, too. So it's scary, man. This Nuggets team is going to be no joke. Yeah, and I have them winning in six, hanging on the fact that, you know, that Will Barton and Gary Harris don't come back. But if they're back, yeah, there's yeah, no shot. That's later, too much. <laughs> yeah, that's too much for Donovan Mitchell to try to beat. You, I mean, you're going to be throwing him Morris, Morris at him. You're going to be throwing, I don't want to say Jamal Murray, but that's just another body, I guess. Mm-hmm. But really, it's yeah. Gary Harrison, Will Barton. Like, those are two sort of three tough those are guys. Great defensive to, pieces, yeah. Yeah. Sort of three tough guys to try to beat every time. Um, yeah. I mean, and Michael Porter Jr., I guess we can mention him here. He was okay tonight. He was okay. Quite showed up. It, yeah. But, yeah, it wasn't worth mentioning. You know, like we, we yeah. thought he'd have more, but Jamal Murray took over the game. So it's like, you know, Michael Porter Jr. played the role player today. Maybe he'll play the superstar in a few years. <laughs> yeah. The world normalized a little bit on that end. Joe yeah. Kick, Jamal Murray, and Jokic Grant. Yeah. yeah, Jeremiah Grant. Yeah. <laughs> 19 points, shooting super smooth from the field. Like, this guy's I this guy's the real deal, man. I I, I can't believe Denver player. got away with the trade that they that they Denver, did. <laughs> yeah, like for as much credit that OKC gets for all the moves they make, and uh, Elton Brand getting the splashy moves in, in Philadelphia, like Denver just builds with players that you never thought would be good, or you never <laughs> even heard of, and then they just make them stars. They yeah. they have a great. They have a great player development program there. Whatever they're doing there, just keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Now to round out the West, we got to bring up the the I think the most uh, eyeball eyeballs on series. I think mm-hmm. most people are anticipating mm-hmm. this series. The funnest one for sure. And it can, and it's one of those that could either live up to the hype or just be a disappointing disappointment. <laughs> I think. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. There. It, I think it's like. For me, this is either going to be a sweep or five game series, or it could go to seven. <laughs> and it and just then the depends Blazers on the Lakers seven, team. right? <laughs> oh no, no, no way! But I mean, there's some people out there that want it to happen. But this Lakers versus Portland, uh, Lakers won the season series two to one. But I'm not even sure that matters at this point because no, no team has changed more than this Portland Blazers team during the bubble, and we got the third worst defensive team versus. <laughs> Are the third best, the third worst defensive team versus the third best defensive team in the league. And there's two things going on here on the defensive end. One of them is who the heck is guarding LeBron James? <laughs> you got Gary Carmelo. Trent Jr., <laughs> Carmelo Anthony, Mario Hinojosa. Why would you even Mario put Gary Hinojosa? Trent Jr. in that position? Gary Trent Jr. is a tiny guy. <laughs> I mean, it's got, it's going to be – who else do they have? They, it's it's going to have to be Carmelo, which, I mean, sucks for them because Carmelo might as well be a ghost. He is a ghost <laughs> on defense. He is not existent. Yeah, I guess, I guess Mar- Super Mario – you to, yeah, like you said, like he's gonna have to be that guy because there's no Trevor Ariza there. Mo Harkless mm-hmm. was there last year, not there. Mamba yeah. Mute, nope, not there anymore. Yeah, you're you're fresh out options, Portland. It, it's over. Yeah. LeBron's gonna torch you for a triple double in like about 23 minutes. <laughs> exactly. You there's that end, and then there's the opposite end of that where it's where it's 
who's guarding Damian Leonard and CJ McCollin. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you, the Lakers have had pretty bad wing defense throughout the year. I mean, when they had Avery Bradley, it was back to a great standard. Rondo, and I mean, that was a huge part of it is they were sh- constantly shuffling wings. And that situation hasn't really fixed itself here in the bubble. But I mean, you got some names. You got KCP. We got Danny Green. And I'm going to put Anthony Davis here because Anthony Davis created a mess for Damian Leonard back when Portland played the Pelicans. And the reason Mm -hmm. I say Davis is because if if they're they're definitely going to go switch hunting. And if they go (laughs) switch hunting, it's going to be have to be Davis that that Frank Vogel puts out there because it's going to be an interesting battle here because. The Lakers can go small to contain Davis, to contain Damian and put Davis at the five. So that mm-hmm. switching, so the switching game kind of plays a little against the Blazers. Um, and the Blazers are just gonna, that's probably gonna be their best shot is just make those Lakers big unplayable because the size of the Lakers also trumps the size that the Blazers have. Like you got Nurkic and Whiteside, but it's tough yeah, to those play are, those, those two guys, guys together. I mean, it's oh, yeah, tough to play, play those two. I yeah. actually did see them do that a little bit against Memphis in that playing game. Oh, and it was bad. It was, it was bad. very bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very reminiscent of, of the Kings trying to play four centers in one lineup in a preseason game a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It it doesn't it doesn't work and they're if they want to use Nurkic to the best, they're gonna have to figure out a way to make those Lakers bigs unplayable because Dwight Howard, JaVel McGee, and Anthony Davis I mean, they're they're gonna hold Nurkic. I think they're gonna give him something to play for. Um, and you already yeah. have no Zach Collins out here. So again, I think it's gonna go. It could go two ways. We could be seeing a seven game series, or we could be seeing a five or four game series. Mm. And I'm gonna go with five. I'll give I'll give Portland one game. But I can yeah. ultimately think the Lakers take this in five. Just because Damian Lillard is such a dynamic, amazing player, I am gonna say Lakers in five. I'm not going to give the Lakers the sweep because as Portland worked so hard to get here, they're not. And this is like, if this was Memphis, I'd say, yeah, this is a sweep. Like they're just happy to be in the playoffs. Portland is not just happy to be in the playoffs. And we saw that in the last three games that the Blazers played all great games. Damian Lillard just looked laser focused. I, I kept texting you and like, a million other Laker fans of mine, like, oh man, you better be scared right now because Damian Lillard's coming <laughs> to get you because he's got to go through you guys to get through get to us where he's got the real beef. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, I I would love to see them be more competitive in this series, but realistically, I just don't see it happening against the Brooklyn Nets. They gave up 131 points against Memphis without Jaron Jackson Jr. They gave up 122 points. So where if you're going up against a team that's actually good, that has an actual <laughs> winning record, like the Lakers, who have the best re- one of the best records in the league, how are you going to stop them? How are you oh, going yeah. to even going to compete with that? Like uh, we all know that the Lakers haven't had the best eight game bubble, and that was like a slight concern. But they were still better than Grizzlies, and they were still better than the Nets. So if Portland's having to try so hard to beat these teams, and yeah, credit to them, they did beat them all, all the ones they needed to. This is the Lakers we're talking about. They're a title favorite. They have two of the best five players in the league. I I just don't see how this is even a contest. Like 
you have you have Damien and CJ like sure like you don't have the same talent at the guard position to go up against them but KCP and Danny Green have proven themselves to be decent enough defenders to where it's gonna be enough you know like you don't need to stop them you don't need to hold them to like less than 20 points a game like you can give Damien his 30 you can give CJ his 20 to 25 it doesn't matter they're not gonna stop you guys on the other end yeah I think I mean, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, when DJ, when CJ and Damien are held off, I mean, who else steps up? I mean, Carmella put down some clutch shots, but that that just kind of hides a little bit of yeah. the fact that <laughs> his offensive output for this team is just, it's okay. It's okay. And against a, a great defensive team like the Lakers, I think they're going to, they're not going to have a hard time shutting down Gary Trent Jr., Carmelo Anthony, or anybody else they yeah. throw out there. And again, I think the Nurkic, the Nurkic factor, isn't going to be that big in this series because I think the Lakers bigs can hold off Nurkic. If anything, it's the guards that have caused the problem. But in a playoff series, I think you, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't win that many games off just supernova performances from one yeah. guy. <laughs> but it's going to be very James fun did, to watch. <laughs> yeah, LeBron James did it in the Eastern Conference playoff run in 2018. But then again... <laughs> this is LeBron James, though. This is LeBron James, yeah, exactly. Pound for pound, the Lakers have more on their roster. Yeah. LeBron and versus LeBron Dame. James never had to go against LeBron James. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. So I got I got Lakers in five, Sean. Yep. I think you're you're I aligned agree with too. You. I feel like we've been in way too much of an alignment right now. Like we need we need to have some sort of disagreement in the in these Eastern Conference matchups to make up for it. Uh, yeah, I just don't see it, and that's the story. <laughs> I think with this first round is just like. There's not that much excitement, yeah, or like yeah, just like an unpredictable factor just because of injuries, bubble stuff, like. But anyways, I mean, this one is like I don't even sure how much time we could we should spend on it. But here we go: Nets versus Raptors. (laughs) Oh, greater than ninety nine (laughs) percent chance the Raptors win from five thirty eight. Not quite a hundred percent because there's always you know. Anything yeah, is possible. Yeah, the, the Raptors' entire starting lineup could get hit by a bus. That, yeah. that is a, a 0.001% chance. Or they all get coronavirus, I guess. Or, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> have a bio, but yeah, chemical warfare going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this this Raptors team, I mean, low-key, just not quite getting the noise that, you know, the Suns and the Ra- and Blazers got, but they had themselves quite the hell of a bubble run. Seven and one, everybody's healthy, everybody looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th- this is uh, strength in numbers, uh, Golden State Warriors mantra stealing kind of there, but I think they do it even better than the Warriors because the Warriors had the star power, but the Raptors have the numbers. And we, we can just even use this game one as an example, uh, as kind of a cheat to our preview here. Like, they had seven <laughs> players in double figures tonight against this Nets team, with Fred Van Fleet leading the way with 30 points, 11 assists on 8 of 10 shooting. This is, this is nice. arguably your third best player, stepping up and yeah. getting 30 points a game. Come on, Tobias Harris, take some notes, please. <laughs> <laughs> because you got to step up in the playoffs, and Fred Van Fleet knows how to do that. He, he did it last year, and he's doing it again now. Um, he's just a gamer, man. And they, they, they just got a, t- a team full of gamers. I mean, Norman Powell gamed up this year. OG Ananobi gamed up. Kyle Lowry's playing as scrappy as ever. Marcus, I mean, he is old now, but he's still trucking it out. He's still trucking out there. 
Serge Ibaka is even there still. I, it's as deep as any team in this league, including the Clippers, including the Nuggets. Uh, they are defending their title as well as I've ever seen a title defense. Um, I mean, obviously you have, have the repeat champions like the Warriors or the Lakers of, of the early 2000s, but I mean, I think I think this team is primed for a title defense. Like we shouldn't write them off because if if I was to look at this team right now compared to these other Eastern Conference teams, I don't see any reason not to pick them. Yeah, I I am leaning more and more towards picking them to come out of the East and be in the finals. Mm-hmm. Like at first I was like, <laughs> okay, that's the if there was a true dark horse, it's the Raptors. However, now I'm I'm slowly moving them away from that category more into okay, I think they are definitely going to be the one coming <laughs> out of the East. They just every, all these guys, they just have a, a bunch of nice pieces. Fred Van Fleet. I mean, even the older guys, Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka down low. And I mean, we saw them give up this this huge lead they had on the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Yeah. But then they still came back and won by 20 even though that <laughs> lead was like evaporated to single single digits yeah i mean the nets stand no chance here uh carice lever more than anything this is like a good uh practice round i think for him for his preview because he'll be a huge Mm -hmm. piece next year for their playoff run but ultimately there's no there's no i'm not even sure i want to spend time breaking this down i think i think the i think the raptors (laughs) take this in four it's a sweep um, from my perspective so i'm gonna give the nets one and and here's why is just listening to the game today, I'm so impressed by Curry's Levert's leadership ability. And mm. his ability, because they had him mic'd up for this game, and he he had a few talking points to his teammates. And obviously that happens way more than we are aware of because they only mic up one player with a few snippets. But just the way that they were able to navigate coming back from 33 points down and cutting it to eight. Just the fact that they can do that and they have nothing to lose, I feel like that gives them the ability to steal one game out of this series. And it's not because I think any of their players are any more talented than any of the Raptors players. I just think that they're a really gritty team. I mean, we saw it with Portland. I mean, they went 5-3 and three in the bubble for the bubble season when I thought that this was an easy 0-8 and eight Wizards type of team going into it. They've proven that they're not. I mean... They've had some X factors really step up for them. I mean, Joe Harris having a great ha- last half of the year. He's going to get a pretty decent contract next year from somebody oh, yeah. the Nets. And then the emergence of Timothy Luwawu Cabarro, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mister TLC himself, uh, having a few twenty point plus games in this stretch here in the bubble, including including twenty six off the bench tonight. This team is able to find scoring in very unorthodox places. And because of that, I, I really just feel like I need to give them the respect of winning one game in this series. I don't think this is a sweep-worthy team. I think I feel like they're fighting too hard to be. Yeah, I can, I can give you that. Joe Harris is a great piece, and he is going to command money because his shooting is a premium, like... The mm-hmm. way he shoots the ball, I mean, he's what is he shooting at? Like forty three percent, like something ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, if there's somebody, it's gonna be him. So yeah, I'll give you that. Chris Levert has been really impressive. I still just don't see the pieces, Sean. And if they come out on five, <laughs> then then I owe you a beer because I I think yes, there's a chance their one game could be really close. I could see that. 
ultimately, I mean, this game was almost really close too, and it should have never been close. That's true, but the 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 final score was was still uh, you know twenty points. You know, yeah, final score, sure. (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, I I mean, this team's got fighting them. They've got fighting them. They're not going to give up. I don't. Yeah, and I'm not. I won't question that either. There's just not enough firepower on this squad. There's just so many pieces. I think I think it can come together for one game. I think it can come together. Yeah, see, this is I'm I'm rooting from. I'm sending them all my energy. Give give them that one win. Yeah, and this is where I lean back on like whether or not who the home court really gave the advantage to the. I mean, I think ultimately it does give an advantage to the upper higher seed. But there is something to be said that you know that home game, say game three. Game, that game three probably could be winnable for a team like the Nets because they're mm-hmm. at home. Yeah, you know, you, right. That's where the home court definitely would help them a lot to win one of those two. Yeah. But some... I, I still think they can do it. I mean, the fact that they've played pretty well in the bubble so far has proven that they can win in this situation. They don't need their home fans to win a game. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see where it happens. But I guess this one, this is one we're not on alignment with. What we watch? Yeah, sure. That By game? one game. Yeah, that's the most <laughs> disagreement we've had this whole thing. Yeah. Well, here's another. This one, one. will I, not I, be any different. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Bucks versus Magic. Five thirty-eight has ninety-eight percent win probability, which is the way too low. Ninety-eight yeah. percent. What are you thinking? Five thirty-eight. Yeah. This is like ninety-nine point eight, and I'll give it that point. Maybe it's like 99.9 actually and the lose probability is yeah. like within yeah. like past the zero like point zero zero something. <laughs> like no there's chance. just yeah. No chance. So Orlando can't just came off losing five in a row before they won that last <laughs> game against, you know, basically a heartless Pelicans yeah. team who knew their head coach was about to get fired <laughs> and you knew their season was pretty much over. That doesn't even count as a win. Yeah, and and now, you know, they lost those five in a row, and some of those pieces they had aren't even going to be here now for this playoff series. They're going to be missing Mo Bamba. Uh, Aaron Gordon might miss a game or two, and Michael Carter-Williams is possible to miss a game or two, but also could miss the entire series from the sounds of his injury. So they're they're lacking pieces, and this is already after missing Jonathan Isaac, arguably probably their second best player. I think he's st- he taken <laughs> he's taken that title from wow. Aaron Gordon. I think that's your boy uh, Aaron Gordon. You're just you're just disrespecting right there, man. Man, he's this guy. He's had so <laughs> many opportunities, and it just cannot. It just has not happened. And he was supposed to be the next Blake Griffin, man. Yeah, that was his ceiling. Next- he was supposed to be the better three-point shooting version of Blake Griffin, but it's just not there, and if it hasn't happened now, I'm not sure it will happen. So I think this is a clean sweep. Uh, Vucevic seems to be the only positive piece on this team, but what's he going <laughs> to do against a fully been. loaded yeah. Bucks, pl- Bucks team? Against the uh, best player in the NBA? They have oh. nobody to contain that guy. <laughs> There's Over nothing under. here. Over under on minutes Giannis plays per game in this series. I'm gonna put the over under at 22. <laughs> wow, that's pretty low. But I was thinking it was gonna probably could. There's an opportunity it could be under 30. I oh, mean, I'm yeah, gonna definitely. I'm gonna go like 28. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, there's one positive. It's like this is an opportunity for Markel Falls to play a full playoff series and, you know, really get his name are back we, out there. Are we really excited about that? Do we really think that this playoff series is going to be his coming out party? Is there any chance of that? I don't see it happening. It's going to be like this. Like, Markel Falls is going to hit a fadeaway shot <laughs> from the top of the key to give him his 25th point, but then he's going to look up at the scoreboard and they're going to be <laughs> down 25. So it's going to be that type. That type yes. of stuff that's going to be happening in this series. Yeah, he's looking around him, and it's all the bench warmers because it's been garbage time for the entire fourth quarter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so is exciting the right word? Maybe not, but a verse, a low version uh, of it is what I kind of feel about this series. I'm not excited to watch Markel Fultz try to, try <laughs> to have a, a halfway decent game against Milwaukee's bench. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a feel-good story, I guess. Even if Giannis got hurt. I still think I'd take the Bucks in four. That I is think how so. sad I think this Magic's team is. <laughs> yeah, same here. I guess, like, if anything, like, the Bucks have an opportunity to kill some time and hopefully get Eric Bledsoe back. <laughs> yeah, So for sure. That's, like, I guess the fortunate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But how hurt is no, he? I don't know. I think he's on his way back. But, um, okay. I mean, outside of that, I think there's not enough to be said there. I think I think yeah. I'm done yeah, saying we're, we're good. No more. I'm not even gonna <laughs> yeah. watch that game, man. It's gonna be so boring. <laughs> yeah, but moving on, Heat's Pacers. This one's interesting. I thought this would be the closest series, but I'm also leaning towards. I don't know. I don't hmm. know how close this one will actually be. Uh, I mean, five five thirty eight has a fifty percent win probability for towards the Miami Heat. I think I, I think I'm leaning towards that way as well. Uh, this Miami Heat just is just a full offensive firepowering machine. Duncan Robinson, Hero, Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, Kelly Olynyk—all these guys can just shoot from three. They're third in terms of three-point percentage, seventh seventh in offensive rating. Uh, they're going up against an Indiana Pacer team that ranks towards the bottom in terms of three-point uh, attempts. Uh, T.J. Warren has had a hell of a coming-out party. Uh, this bubble didn't play well against this team though. <laughs> and the other note too is Victor Odalipo was supposed to be the big X factor and it just does not seem to be likely. Um, he's kind of just been an average player in the bubble and he's also kind of struggled to play alongside Malcolm Brogdon as well. Their efficiency rates are pretty low when they're both on the floor. So it seems like the Pacers also have some rotation things that they need to figure out and, Trying to figure those out in the playoffs doesn't always spell good news. So I think to me, Sean, I think I have the Miami Heat here winning in six games. Um, not quite going to seven how I visually visioned this series going. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm torn, honestly, between the Heat winning this in five or six. Just because of what we saw in the bubble matchup with the Heat versus the Pacers. I just, I don't see... Where the Pacers hold an advantage against the yeah. Heat. This is another deep team with a lot of overperforming great pieces. I feel like they're outmatched in pretty much all all. I mean, maybe you, you put Odalipo in front of their other guard. That's not Jimmy Butler. Like, like who who's their other star? It's not Hero. Oh, it's, it's Dragic. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'll give Odalipo the edge over Dragic, but only marginally. Mm-hmm. But then, like, yeah, Brogdon versus Butler. I mean, it was more of Butler versus Warren, but, like, 
Yeah, Brogdon doesn't have the matchup there on the defensive side. Uh, yeah, and the three-point shooting, you can't really match that on the Pacers. And Bantam out of Bidal Trumps, Miles Turner. I, yeah. They have no advantage in any position. So I, I'm going to go with the Heat in five because while it looks close on paper just because their records were close, 538 gives them only a 57% chance to win. I just don't think it's going to be that close, honestly. <laughs> I think this Heat team is too deep. Sabonis still isn't back yet for the Pacers, which might change the outlook on this because, I mean, that's obviously your second-best player we're talking about here. And, and like you mentioned, the, the Pacers not figuring out how to play Brogdon and Odalipo together yet. I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's still hope for them to work together. I, I really hope this isn't a chemistry issue in the future as well because I, I love both guys individually. I, I think they're amazing players and obviously they're both ball dominant guards um so they're gonna have to figure out how to work together i mean if westbrook and harden can do it they can figure it out so uh, yeah i think the future looks bright for this pacers team but this heat team's future also looks bright and i think it's just a little bit more ready um for for this matchup yeah i think so too you line up names and name to name like the heat just have the advantage the depth and yeah there's nothing. I just I try to look at this through different ways to see what the Pacers could do to take advantage, and I just don't really see it. I mean, they play that they they they're just gonna have to bunker up and play some gritty basketball. But ultimately, this this offense is just really good, and Jimmy Butler and Bam, all these shooters around them, they're they're just gonna tear apart this this lineup. Uh, I put six just because I think Pacers could grit out some games. But I mean, I could easily, I could, I could easily just agree with you that yeah. it could go five too. <laughs> well, don't Not agree with fight. me. Yeah, we've only ever deviated <laughs> by more by one game in all of these series. But is the I guess my yeah my final question is is this series going to be worth watching just for Jimmy Butler versus T.J. Warren, or is that I, not even enough to make this I, a, a like an interesting game? No, I think it's I think it makes it interesting. I think by okay. game two we'll find out if it's actually worth the hype though or if it's all just smoke uh, <laughs> yeah for sure I, I mean yeah i mean if if the, if it, if tj warren makes a big step and just doesn't do what he did against when they actually did play against each other then sure but if we start seeing you know signs that this is all just a bunch of smoke and then mm-hmm. no, i don't think so yeah uh Sorry, sorry, Pacers. I, I like this Pacers team, though. I think Nate McMillan's done an awesome job with this squad. Very, I, very much an overperforming team. Yeah, and I think it's for them. It's it's all about next year. I just don't mm-hmm. see them being able to pull this off upset. And then speaking on also exciting series, the 76ers versus Celtics here again. One of those that on paper just seems like it has signs for for it to be an exciting series, and it very well may be. I have my doubts. And this first game was, you know, it had its exciting moments. Yeah. But, you know, 538 has the Celtics walking away with an 82% chance of winning. And I'm kind of aligned on that. I I have the Celtics winning this in five here. And here's mm-hmm. why is Celtics are just a well-oiled machine. They got their <laughs> rotations down. Everybody looks comfortable. Jason Tatum is a, is a bona fide star. He's outplayed his peers. I mean, Donovan, he's got a good case against Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Jalen Brown is also well. I mean, Gordon Hayward is underperforming from where we thought Gordon Hayward would be, but still, he's doing enough. 
Marcus Smart as is a good. fourth option, though. That's a nice fourth option. <laughs> exactly, as a nice fourth option. Uh, Joel Embiid is is great. Uh, Tobias Harris is good, but this team just clearly lacks a a legitimate playmaker, <laughs> a legitimate guy who can make good decisions and put the ball in the right spots. And Joel Embiid's got the size advantage for sure, but it's just not enough. And Tobias Harris is just not that scorer. Just like he's just not that aggressive scorer that the 76er team needs him to be. Yeah, for sure. And th- this is a 76er team that actually did beat Boston 3-1 during the regular series mm-hmm. during the regular season series this year, which man, if Ben Simmons was healthy, this would be a very interesting yep. matchup. Very interesting, but you replace him with Shake Milton in the lineup, and you're putting him up against Kemba Walker. Kemba yeah. Walker is excited to make his playoff debut after eons of missing it on the Hornets. You're not going to stop this guy, Shake. I'm sorry. You're you're a cool player and all, but we we got we got no love for you against Kemba. And it's a shame, really, because this would have been such a good matchup because they did seem to match up really well against them with Simmons in the lineup, but without him and no real replacement for that. Tobias Harris has just, he's been a dud in the playoffs for the Sixers (laughs) ever since they acquired him, which is a shame because we love Tobias Harris on this podcast. He's one of our favorite players. We love the work ethic. We think he he is a very good player, an all-star caliber player, but in game one, 39 minutes. You played 39 minutes and you only scored 15 points. You have to step up. Come on, Tobias. You're the second option on the team now. You got to play like it. You can't play third fiddle to Simmons and Embiid in these situations. You got to prove that you're the guy. You proved that on the Clippers, you can be the one or two with Lou Williams Mm -hmm. on that team. I don't see why he can't do the same thing here with the Sixers when you arguably have more talent than that Clippers team from a few years ago. Yeah, they just make it way too easy to defend the 76ers team when Tobias Harris isn't out. Like he needs to he needs to watch some Devin Booker games. He needs to watch some old yeah. Kobe games and he needs to adopt that mentality. I know it hasn't been his game for most of his career. He's sort of just been like the second option, third option, catch and shoot type guy. And make push the ball up the court, but he really needs to adopt a an aggressive scoring mentality. Go out there and attempt some twenty shots, twenty five shots a game. Because yes, when Joel Embiid is in the post and he's taking advantage of size, this Celtic team is just doubling him up, forcing him to make bad decisions with the ball. And you saw it. I mean, I mean, Joel Embiid goes five for five in the first quarter. He's dominating down low. They start they start double teaming him, and we just got turnover after turnover. <laughs> And Tobias has to be that guy on the wing who can save Joel Embiid and takes mm-hmm. advantage when those double teams, tr- double teams, and those team, the team really collapses down on Joel Embiid. If he's not there, then this this series is definitely lost. Um, and in, in talking about Shake Milton and Josh Richardson, I mean those guys are decent guards, but they're definitely playing out of position, and they are not decision makers. They are not true point guards, and uh, and that's also hurting them a bit. And Mm-hmm. Bill Ben Simmons right here. The disrespect that this guy gets sometimes he shouldn't be getting because this 76ers team is completely different without him. And I bet this team is also really kicking themselves for not re-signing TJ McConnell, man. You could have really used him right <laughs> you now. You love TJ McConnell. <laughs> you think he's just the glue guy for any team. He's just a solid, solid value point guard. 
He doesn't is, take he much money to bring him, and he does exactly <laughs> what you need. Puts the ball, makes yeah. some good decisions, great passes, and can knock down the occasional three. Now, I'm sure Elton Brand is kicking himself a little bit for not getting him back, especially now seeing that I, I agree with you. I think the Celtics are going to take this in five. Uh, if the Sixers were going to steal one, I thought it was going to be here in game one when it, like you don't really know what's going to happen yet. Uh, maybe you got some tricks up your sleeves that Boston's not ready for and you can catch them off guard. But uh, now they're in it, you know. I think they might they'll they'll steal one. Uh, Harris will have one decent game, but like he's really gonna have to step it up if if the Sixers are gonna end up stealing this series because you're not gonna be able to rely on any of these other pieces on this team. Like he has to be the guy. He has to realize that. Yeah, and one other thing to call out just from this first game, which I think is a preview, is of who Boston is, is they're just a well-oiled machine. Only seven yeah. turnovers Whew. in this whole game. Seven Crazy. turnovers is pretty unheard of for a team, especially in a playoff yeah. game where defenses yeah, are supposed to be a lot a stickler. <laughs> yeah, like this is well-oiled. Oh, yeah. And I think part of it is just how good Boston is, and the other part of it is just 76ers just don't really have enough out there on the wings to really shut these guys down. And having Ben Simmons... Another man out there would have been great. Mm-hmm. Having a guy like you know, again, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this guy's name, T.J. McConnell, McConnell, man, a guy who can actually match up with some of these point guards. Yeah, yeah, T.J. McConnell's gonna match up with Kemba Walker. Is that what you're trying to sell me right now? I mean, just 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 create some more noise, man. Just create some <laughs> more noise for the 76ers team. Said you have All Horford, which I mean, he made some great plays out there. Um, but I mean, you traded so slow. much. Yeah, he traded yeah. too much for for what you got in terms of size and, and having a slower team. It, it sucks because I think this will be altering for the 76ers moving forward, I think, uh, after they lose this series. I think they're going to make some big moves. Maybe they're going to be a little too early, but I could see it. Uh, but ultimately, I think the Celtics take this in five. Yeah, I think the one move they need to make is just Brett Brown is not the right coach for this team. I agree. Uh, if he can't make it work now, I think it – you you got to just do something before it, it's just way too late. Yeah, like they've given him the chances, you know. Like they've had obviously you don't have Simmons for this playoff, so there's that caveat, but like mm-hmm. if you can't even push the Celtics to 6 games even without Simmons, you weren't going to win the series. You weren't. Yeah. Especially especially when you have that glaring advantage to them with the size mm-hmm. of Joel yeah. Embiid, an all-star center versus and his canter. Yeah, and... it's like you can't it, like Tobias Harris is like he he needs a different coach. Like whatever scheme that he, that they've got there with Brett Brown, like it doesn't involve Tobias Harris in the best way he can be utilized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And they, I mean, at the same time, like they also got to just give the ball. I mean, Joel Embiid, I think after the press conference was talking about how he just needs to be more aggressive. And I think part of it is also just systematic. I don't think it's just a matter of Joel Embiid yelling for the ball either. I think it's a matter of also the system just uh, uh, just being more favorable towards Joel Embiid and taking advantage of the strengths that they do have in Tobias and Joel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But I, yeah, I hope they can I, make it a good series. I hope they can. I do too, but I think Celtics in five. And again, the story of this first round is that. I think you got some that are, seem exciting on paper. Some that I think are being hyped up by just Twitter, you know, Lakers versus Blazers with no yes. real, with no, no real substance. substance. Yeah. yeah. 
and and then you got and you got some stars you know Doncic, Duka Doncic versus the Clippers so ultimately everything just seems really predictable um, OKC versus Rockets could be interesting depending on Westbrook's but I, yeah. I I'm feeling I'm feeling kind of like okay I'll watch OKC versus Rockets let's let's Lakers let's get this done but I'm also kind of ready for the second round too I know yeah that's when it gets really good that's when we might actually see some upsets really happen because I, I feel very comfortable about pretty much every single one we went through today. Like, there's not, I don't see any upsets happening in this first round. Yeah, exactly. So, final thought? Well, guess what? My production at work might drop a little bit, but my NBA viewership <laughs> is going up. So, there's the trade off there. And I uh, yes. can't wait to keep more keep than make this. up for it. <laughs> more than make up for the enjoyment of NBA action. Exactly. Well, take care, everybody. Unless you got any other final thoughts, Sean? No, man. Have a good week, everyone, and uh, let's just all enjoy some playoff basketball. <laughs> <laughs>